So, you know, we're a Jeep family and, you know, we got a, a really uh, deep history there. And so we sell parts all the way from 41 all the way up to about 78. We sell some later stuff too, but our core is really what we call the vintage Willys market. Mm-hmm. And then within that, you know, even though the Jeepster Commando is not a Willys, it's a Kaiser, but it fits still within that same range. I know, uh, listeners, viewers of all kinds and all ages, we're going to do a uh, we're we're, we're going to try something new tonight. I mean, we have had guests on the roundtable episode in the past, but uh, this is like uh, juggling on fire uh, while having a uh, a really bad case of uh, uh, hemorrhoids. So <laughs> it's not it's not really that bad. It's just a little itchy. Uh, so <laughs> we're going to uh, we're gonna we're gonna plow through this. So you'll have to forgive me if uh, the video is a, a, a little cumbersome, but uh, audio is always king here. So this is Tony with the Jeep Talk Show, and we have a great guest tonight, uh, Mark with uh, the it's the Jeepsterman dot com, right? That's correct. Okay, good. So, uh, so Mark is the leading expert, and this is Mark that I'm talking to. Mark is a leading expert on Jeepster Series vehicles covering the 1967 through 1973 models. Uh, Mark was a recent guest on a popular Stacy David podcast. Mark's passion for the Jeepster Commando began in er- the early 90s when he purchased his first Commando, which led to his side business called Just Jeepers. I'm sorry, Jeepsters, not Jeepers, but Jeepers. Because Jeepers listen to the show. Jeepsters is what you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, Mark's uh, initial day job uh, was that of a business leader um, that uh, took him around the world as a featured speaker. In 2016, Mark retired and joined forces with his son, John, and incorporated the business. In 2018, uh, Just Jeeper, Jeepsters, I'm going to have a hard time with that, uh, purchased well-known supplier, the Jeepers Band which progressed into a global supplier for all Willys, Kaiser, and AMC makes and models. Mark and his son, John, are now partners overseeing the growth and strategy of the company. Mark spends his day helping customers with their Jeepster, Jeepster Commando, and uh, Jeep Commando models. Wow. So is there, is there that, many, that much going on in, in the, with those models, uh, Mark? Yeah, I mean, a uh, great place to start because, you know, we... We sell parts for uh, virtually all Willys vintage vehicles, uh, but the Jeepster Commando kind of is set in its own little category, uh, kind of unique. And Jeep has other unique vehicles as well. But I'm talking about they're all four-wheel drive, and they started in 67, and they went through 73. So I play an expert role in them. And there are variations we can talk about. They're really cool when you understand those variations. Uh, and my son plays an expert role in all the other Willys things. So when we say the Jeepster man, we cover all models, makes, Willys. Um, but I play a specialty role in helping people with parts, advice, knowledge, whatever. A lot of folks doing restorations on the Jeepster Commandos, and that's my specific role is to help them. Um, along with, I clean the bathroom here too. <laughs> yeah, it's it's that's right. that's always the way, right? There, you, nobody's too important, yeah. too knowledgeable. The, all right. the jobs that's have to right. get done. Yeah, um, wear many hats. Yeah, yes. let me ask you a quick question. You don't have to know this person, but uh, I remember that uh, Marvin from Flex Rocks and Rollovers, a big YouTube uh, video uh, creator, they do a lot of exciting things off road. Uh, his Jeep that he takes off road, if I'm remembering right is a commando and he just beats the hell of that thing off-road for his youtube channel and uh, just his personal fun um how do you feel about the commandos being taken off-road it hurts no, <laughs> good because, uh, they are a really good four-wheel drive uh, i actually uh, in the chat we were doing before some of the videos popping around there i saw somebody had one uh, uh right here on the uh talk show with us and on the video uh-huh but they are really good four-wheel drives. The first one I had, I did the same thing with it, and that's what got me started. We would tear it up um, and go back and fix it. And one time we tore it up so bad we couldn't find parts for it, and I had to buy three whole Jeepsters to put it back together. And wow. By then, I was selling parts to other people, and it just went on and on and on. So I totally understand it. I just don't devote um, myself to being an expert in that Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, people call me and they're building an off-road machine. I'm probably not the guy to talk to. I can tell you what I think, but there's a whole lot of uh, more knowledgeable people out there than me. So when I say it hurts, I'm teasing. 
a lot of people do it. But, uh, you know, right now we're pretty dedicated to uh, mild, um, very mild modifications. We put lift kits and disc brakes and things on, but we don't build rock crawlers. Right. Um, I, it, it just seems to be, uh, now keep in mind, I don't know a lot about the, the Jeepsters, the Commandos or any of that. Uh, so I don't know how rare it is, but that kind of bothers me when there's something rare and, uh, and it's not, um, well, I, I was going to say it's not fulfilling its intended purpose, but of course the purpose is whatever the, the owner wants it to be. Uh, I just kind of hate to see something rare uh, chewed up, so to speak. Yeah, and that's the, you know, when I say it hurts, that part there, you know, when you see people cutting them up and things. But most of the time, somebody has bought one that's so far gone that it would prob- probably wouldn't be worth putting it back to a original condition and they are good they got a good base for uh, off-roading so you know a lot of times that's the case and i totally understand that one <clears throat> so how rare are they 67 to 73 is what, what you said so how rare are they do you know what the numbers uh, of how many were made during that time i do um and i think when you say rare you would have to understand the variations uh but the whole entire stretch of 67 through 73, I would say it's unique. When people hear the word rare, the first thing they think is, am I going to be able to find parts for it? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, good point. You can get them from us. But there are some rarities within there. There's a first edition that they built somewhere between three and 500 that's pretty rare. It's probably the rarest of all of them, even though it's not my preferred Jeepster and it doesn't drive the highest value. Um, the really rare and unique one is the Jeepster convertible. And I can pop a little picture here in front of you. You can see. Uh, and that one is rare and unique at the same time. And that's what's Here's behind you right now, right? You have a, a Jeepster no, convertible? No, the one I have behind me is a hard top. That's the most common vehicle. You can see the top is oh, off. Oh, but, okay. But you can just like yeah. the Wrangler, you can still take the top off. Okay, I got gotcha. you. That's correct. These have tops just like... Uh, a Mustang convertible or a Camaro convertible. They're gotcha. actually retractable. Some of them are even powered. So that's really the rarest. Really powered way back then. That is cool. Hard to find them. Um, they drive a pretty, holler, pretty high dollar sign, and they are just a fantastic vehicle. When you look at them, you're just like, wow, what is it? You know, it, they didn't make that many. They didn't make them that long, and there's just not that many left. So uh, I, I don't want to make this a, a, a David, uh, David. I keep doing that. A Stacy David uh, episode. But whenever he was talking about uh, his uh, Jeepster today, uh, he said that whenever uh, he called you, you were like, "Oh my God, that's extremely rare." And yeah, uh, and I asked him. I, and I asked him. I said, "Does that mean you're still going to put the V8 in it?" He goes, "No." <laughs> I was like, "Well, good," because I think keeping it, if it's rare like that, you want to keep it as original as possible. Yeah, and you know, Stacy, um, very knowledgeable, probably the best guy you can talk to about restorations overall in general, mm-hmm. but he was not familiar with the vehicle. Uh, and when we got um, talking about it, I actually went down there and we went over the whole thing. It literally still had the grease pencil marks on the firewall. Oh, that's right. He said it had 8,000 miles on it. Yeah. Oh, yes, my God. That's something that's right. they do when they're going down the assembly line those marks that they write on there you know they mean something like an option it was going to get or something else i worked on the assembly line for ford uh and we used the same practice back then in the 70s so you know here here's stacy david he didn't realize what a rarity he had until he talked to me and it kind of changed his focus about what he was going to do with it but yeah i think if it was up to him if if we wouldn't have had that conversation he probably would have turned it into uh you know i a, a V8, uh, mm-hmm. who knows? Oh, and it would have been, been gorgeous. A, I know it would have been, would have yeah, been a wonderful yeah, build. Um, yeah. So let me ask you this, and you don't have to answer this if you don't want to. When you when he told you what he had, did you immediately offer him $100 more than what he paid for it? <laughs> no. <laughs> I, uh, I can take that off your hands. When somebody calls me and tells me they have a Jeepster convertible, the first thing I say to is, say to them is, I'm sorry to hear that. And they all laugh. <laughs> Because they know. Yeah. Uh, you know, a lot of people don't know how to work on them. Stacy could work on anything, but generally my customers, that's the 
the go around joke. You know, you really don't want one because you're going to have to work on it. Mm -hmm. But uh, it's well worth it if you do it right. And what we do is we make it to where people can do it right. You don't have a good source, a part source, and you don't have, um, and I should say it like this. I'm not trying to get people to buy from us. That's not my mode here. But it helps when you can deal with one person that knows what you have and can help you all the way through that build. Otherwise, you find people that have bought parts everywhere. They've got information everywhere, some wrong parts, wrong information, and that's what they end up struggling with. So that's how we help them. We can tell them what they have, whether they buy parts from us or not. We can tell them what's available, where they can get it, um, what the best things to buy, what are the upgrades you can do, things like that. So, you know, that's the problem with them. If somebody gets one and they don't really know and they're unknowledgeable, it can be a struggle to work your way through it. It really can. Now, you only have a, a limited amount of parts, right? I mean, because they're not making these parts anymore, and I'm sure you have to scour the countryside trying to find these things. Uh, so if you have one of these uh, uh, rare vehicles and you need parts for it, it's it's. I would think it's better to get it sooner than later. Yeah, I mean, there, there were about 70,000 of these vehicles made. And so it certain things make sense for us to go and remake. And we have done that. In fact, okay, good. all of our sheet metal is made right here in the USA. I've been dealing with the same sheet metal company, and I had a background in sheet metal at one time. Uh, with the, I've been dealing with the same company for almost 30 years now. Mm -hmm. And they, we make uh, rocker panels, inner rocker panels, braces, tailgates, floor pans, rear cargo areas. We're working on front fenders. Um some things uh, don't really um, offer enough uh, to make it worth making, like a right. hood, um, even though there are some fiberglass hoods out there that we know somebody that makes. But we do remake a lot of parts, so it's not just used parts. I happen to have a couple of warehouses full of used parts. I generally don't buy them like I used to, but I did for a long, long time. But we make new rubber. We make new steel. I could go on and on and on. That's we, nice. I didn't realize you were making making replacement oh, yeah. parts. That's oh, good yeah. news. Yeah. Yep. Lots of parts. So, uh, break it down for me. Uh, I, I know the word Jeepster. I know the word Commando. What are the what are the variations? Or is, or, or is that what you would call the Jeepster? Is it Jeepster Commando? Or how does that lay out? Yeah. I, it, yeah. And this is a good question, Tony, because this is where the confusion starts. Yeah. I'm definitely confused. And, <laughs> Let's start with this. And I brought some pictures for illustrations. Mm -hmm. This is the original Jeepster, made in 1948 through 1951, two-wheel drive only. So what happened in 67, they came along and decided to revive the Jeepster, and they made it in four-wheel drive only. There are no two-wheel drive Jeepsters. That's how you know the difference between the chassis called a VJ, which is the 48 through 51 two-wheel drive Jeepster, and the chassis, which is called a C101 and a C104. That is a Jeepster, and it includes a Jeepster, a Jeepster Commando, and a Jeep Commando. They're all three unique. So that's what we'll talk about. The first one they came out with is this convertible right here. And this is probably one of the most, I hope I'm holding that up right, everybody to see it. There you go. There you go. Um, and yeah, so this is a great picture. The Jeep looks pretty good too, but actually those girls, well, never mind. But <laughs> this is a great picture of, uh, we just built one like this and sold it here probably about six, seven months ago to a guy in California. But they built a Jeepster convertible. It is the only Jeep four-wheel drive with an actual convertible mechanism top. Power, non-power, but it's a convertible mechanism. The only time they ever did it. And this wasn't meant to be an off-road vehicle. It was actually called a sport convertible. And it was meant to compete with the Mustang that came out in 65 and the Camaro that was also coming out in 67. Jeep was trying to make this sporty vehicle. So it had a V6 in it. It had a Continental kit in it. had a convertible top two-tone paint, chrome trim, and a 400 turbo automatic transfer. Some of them had three speeds, but most of them were automatic. Mm -hmm. And their goal was to compete in that sport market. 
It didn't work out. It only lasted for about two and a half, three years. You can see they started to die off building the convertible and they started and they were called Jeepster, Jeepster convertibles, four wheel drive, Jeepster convertibles. Then they started to make the Jeepster Commando, which is a hardtop. And the hardtop is removed. Ah. And this is what you see behind you. This is a 1968 Jeepster Commando convertible. It's beautiful. So this is really the meat of all these models. They made more of this model than they did any other one. It's a hardtop or a wagon, some people call it. Very popular. So you have a convertible, and you had two versions. You had a sport convertible. Then you had a kind of uh, scaled-down, austere model um, that they tried to make and sell that was cheaper. That didn't work either. So they mainly went to the hardtops. They realized they weren't really competing in this sport market very well with Camaros and uh, Mustangs. They were actually competing with Broncos, International Harvesters, mm -hmm. and the K5 Blazers that started to come out. Yeah. So you see the Jeep starting to get more of an off-road appeal it gets some upgrades, and by 72, AMC had, had bought Jeep. They bought them in mid-70s and made a few changes, but in 72, they completely changed the Jeep or the Jeepster Commando. They dropped the word Jeepster, and they picked up the word Jeep and called it a Commando. And here's what you have. Note that it's got a front end that looks like a Bronco. I was going to say it looks a lot more like a Bronco or International Harvester. Yeah. And believe it or not, this killed them. I this, don't doubt it. They only made, made them for two years, trying to compete again in that Bronco international uh, market and that K5 Blazer market, and they just couldn't do it. Um, they put a V8 in them. They did a lot of things. They made them a little longer. They made about 9,000 in 72 and about another nine or 10,000 in 73, somewhere around there, and they stopped making them. But guess which one is growing in popularity right now? Yeah, the, the ugly one, the one that, that really. Killed. Yeah, you put a lift kit on one of these, and we built several of them. But it, it uh, and that do doesn't it right. even look like a Jeep. I mean, this yeah. is the thing about Jeeps is they're unique, yeah. and when you take the uniqueness away, they're just like yes. I, I don't like it. <laughs> well, just picture this if you can: picture a Bronco, uh, a Scout, and a Jeep having sex together. That's what that vehicle yeah. is. You know, it's just kind of a mixture. It's all over the place of everything. It loses that nostalgic Jeep front end. And yes, that did kill them. But they are, you know, they, they were ugly. They, they are um, something that people like now. When they're dialed up right, they do sell for pretty good money. Mm -hmm. The thing that appeals to them, it causes them to compete a little bit. And I'm saying this loosely. <laughs> I'm sure your audience out there has saw the prices on these uh, late 60s and early 70s Broncos. They're selling in the $100,000 range. And the 72-73 Commando is very similar because it's got a V8. Um, it's a little bit longer. It's got a similar flat-looking front end. So there's some appeal there in that 72-73 right now because of that Bronco. Mm -hmm. But you do got to do a few things to them to take the ugliness out of them. Right. And mainly well, that is... Ugly's the, not, uh, ugly's not necessarily bad. I mean, uh, Jeeps are no. ugly. I mean, uh, it's it's like having that uh, that uh, that uh, that child that you just love, uh, even though it's ugly. <laughs> it just has its own uniqueness because of it. <laughs> yeah, the so, ugly baby syndrome. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I so, totally Mark, uh, I'm sorry. I'm going to cut you off there. We need to get the Zoom people in Go here. Uh, I'm sure they're chomping at questions. Yeah. So, uh, one of the, the favorite things I like to say is... Uh, uh, hello, Zoom people. Uh, welcome, and uh, feel free to jump in here and uh, talk to Mark about the uh, the Jeepster and the Commando. I still, I, 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 but I do have, a, I do wonder, is the the term "going Commando" having anything to do with the the Jeepster Commando? You gotta wonder. <laughs> I well, I think if a woman's driving it, it does. But that's all <laughs> I can really say about that. <laughs> Well, there's always hope. Uh, anyway, hello, Zoom people. How you doing? Hello. 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 All right. Let the questions begin. Who has questions? And don't feel bad if it's simple questions, because I didn't know anything about the Jeep Street or the Commando. I'd heard of them, but I'd had no detail on them. Uh, Rick from Arkansas. How, how many would you say are still out there? Uh, Tony kind of 
kind of hinted around at that question. Do you think there's still thousands out there, hundreds, 50? Yeah, yeah thanks, Rick. That's a question that um, we have pondered often. It's hard to really nail it down. I can tell you that the indications I get, every week somebody calls me, and this has gone on for 30 years. I've been saying, you know, one of these days there, there will be no more commandos. But still, I get calls every week, at least one, sometimes two or three, of somebody that just pulled one out of a barn or their grandfather or somebody in their family uh, inherited and gave it to them or they found one in a field and they bought it. I still get just as many as I ever got. Amazing. Uh, and maybe even more. So that's one indicator that I use. If I had to guess based on that, and plus the amount of parts that we sell, we're pretty much the premier uh, selling parts farm. So uh, our guess would be that there's probably somewhere around 20 or maybe uh, 20,000 at the most would be my guess. Wow. So 10,000 maybe on a low number, 20,000 on a big number. I know I made tailgates 30 years ago and I've lost track. I remember I had sold 600 of them at one time. And I, you know, I've sold just many, many more since then. That used to be my indicator. But I think there's still quite a few out there. You figure there were 70,000 made. So there's, you know, maybe, uh, I don't know, could be somewhere around 15%, maybe to 20% of them left in various stages of condition. Mm -hmm. That's my best answer for you uh, there. Does anybody uh, have a interest in uh, the Jeepsters? Like maybe uh, you're finding out some some new stuff about the Jeepsters, the commandos, and uh, you're going to start checking barns and, and uh, whatnot to see if you can find one? Uh, I actually have one. Not sure you can. I'm not sure my microphone's working or not. It's working, and, and I see the uh, the vehicle behind you. That's a Jeepster? Yeah, that's a Jeepster Commando 67, a half cab. I didn't hear Mark mention a half cab. I just want to know. How rare is it to have a half cab? And it still has the original Dauntless V6 in it. Yep. Yes, yeah, so uh, uh, thank you. And, and and I'm sorry, I didn't get your name? Uh, Gary from Ohio. Okay, Gary, yeah, thanks. So, yeah, Gary, you have a half cab and you have a rare vehicle. And the half cab, I don't know the exact numbers, even though I probably got them in a book over here somewhere. I have lots of literature um, that talk about those. The half cab has become more uh, popular over the last few years. We get asked for half a lot. You know, we built many vehicles for people, and half cabs are hard to find. Um, so there probably wasn't that many of them made. Nowhere near as many as the full cab, obviously. But right. uh, it, it yes, you have a rare vehicle. You really do, and half cabs yeah. are unique. Good. I see that rear vehicle sitting in a mud puddle going down a trail. So rock on. I uh, know. That's it's kind of <laughs> like oh. well. You also asked about the V6. In the V6 is the most popular engine that you'll find in the 67 through 71. 72, 73, they dropped the V6 and went with a straight six and a V8, and they stretched the uh, front end out three more inches to do that. But that 225 V6 is an odd fire. So the odd fire is actually a, a, an engine built up by Dauntless, which eventually was picked up by Buick. Um, they call it an odd fire because if you took a Buick V8 and cut the front two pistons off and didn't change anything else, and you made a distributor that worked with those six cylinders, that's how they got to the odd fire. There's a lot more complicated technology to explain it than I, I know of, but that's basically in a nutshell why they call it an odd fire. They're really good motors. Yes. They run fantastic. Um, they went on to become uh, the 231 uh, and was eventually used and bought by GM and used all the way through the 80s. So a very good, popular, well-built, um, solid block there, the, the 225, the 231. But in the... Uh, Commando, they're all odd fires. 225 odd fire V6. Great engine. It, it's definitely an odd engine, that's for sure, as I'm finding out, trying to get it tuned. And uh, yeah, yeah, it's uh, difficult to say the least. So, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, I forgot your name. Uh, do you use that, uh, that Jeep a lot off-road, or is that one of uh, more than one Jeep that you have? 
Yeah, that's what's one of my off-road ones. I have a 98 TJ as my more extreme off-roader. Um, but the Commando, I, I thoroughly enjoy off-roading that one also. Um, uh, stick shift is uh, no power steering, no power brakes. So it's a, it's a fun <laughs> one to take off-roading. Uh, we die like men comes to mind. So uh, oh, yeah. do you get a lot it, of it, oddball it, looks? Like people walk around that thing and go, what the hell is that? Is that? This looks like a Jeep. What is it? Oh, yeah, especially the way the uh, the Dauntless V6 uh, sounds. And um, just uh, people always ask, what engine's in that? And what is it, basically? Especially with the half cab. So, yeah, it's a it's a fun vehicle to have. Yeah, the uh, tune-up tricks on that, um, you're welcome to contact me. I might be able to help you if you the original stuff. There are some tricks to that 225 to dialing them in and getting them to run right. And uh, I, I, I can, I'm, I'm pretty good at it. I know some tips that I can give you to try on it. Um, but you have a three-speed, I take it? You have a stick in that vehicle, right? How you doing? Uh, I do have the stick, but uh, it's been changed over. I have a uh, SM465 made it to an NP205 in it. Yeah, because I was going to say I didn't want to talk bad about your Jeep, but if you had the original <laughs> three-speed, it would have been a T86, and you wouldn't be yeah. off-roading too long with that one before it would blow up on you. That it, that was the oh, weak yeah. spot. And they quit using that after a couple of years and went to a T14, which is a little better. But, uh, yeah, yeah, an SN420, you won't have any problem at all. You ever, uh, you ever get any requests to do, like, full resto mods and then, like, turn them away? I'm talking about the Flex Rocks and Rollovers one. But, you know, where someone wants to put, like, a full modern drivetrain and all that stuff underneath it. Bluetooth, vintage air conditioning, you know, all the good stuff. <laughs> um, we have a person that is a contractor for us, uh, lives locally here. That's actually right in the middle of one right now. So we get requests to do them. Uh, but some of our restorations we have to spin off. For one reason, we're so busy in our parts business, excuse me. Um, and we're in a growth phase a rapid growth phase, which we've been in for about five years now. And so it's really put a squeeze on our ability to, to do a project like that. So we take a few that don't need a whole lot and we finish them. But when somebody wants a really massive job like that, we have about two or three people that do it. Um, and we don't get paid anything out of it, but we do supply parts to those folks. And we recommend them because we know them and we know they know how to do it right. So but we do get that request. It just goes to somebody else. So not trying to uh, uh, jinx you or anything, but do you know why there's been a growth phase for the last five years? Um, you know, it, and, and that's something I haven't really thought much about, but I can tell you that. <laughs> just, just accept it. I got you. <laughs> one, yeah, the most, the most recent one was probably uh, two things. One was the rise of the Bronco. Uh, the Bronco, you know, the old Broncos, the 66, I think, on up, they just exploded. So if you're in an auction, and we've done this, we've gone to auctions, and there will be five Broncos there, all in the same era of the Jeepster Commando. And I've watched people bid on them, and they'll sell anywhere from 80000 to 110. And there's a lot of people that bid and don't win. Mm -hmm. But if you look Look at this Jeep over here, and you're, wow, I might be able to get that. And so that is drove the price up. Um, sorry, I got these little notifications hitting there. But that has driven the interest and the price up. The auctions have made a huge impact because eyes are on it. There's people there, and it's kind of run along the line of the muscle car and then along the line of the Bronco. So that's what's gone on. More of them have shown up at these auctions, more of them have shown up at Bring a Trailer. And the second thing was COVID. COVID just drove everybody to go out and buy everything. And, you know, if you had something that had the term off-road, four-wheel drive, any of those behind it, it kind of uh, grew in some popularity there. So those, those were the most recent ones. Mm -hmm. And then there's the off-road crowd. There's a lot of people that use these for off-road. You go out to uh, Moab and just look on our group here. I've already seen two different ones uh, in our Zoom group here today. Uh, that's what you see going on there. So that has driven some interest as well. But yeah, that, that would be my 
off the top of my head, yes. Have you guys been involved in any auctions? And I'm thinking uh, Barrett Jackson here. We just saw that uh, that that thing recently. Uh, so, do you guys get involved in the auctions? Now, Barrett Jackson, we generally don't go to because Barrett Jackson is targeted at vehicles that don't really fit what we do. Um, and we have a person that goes to all the auctions. He's actually my nephew, and he's very popular at it. He's very good at it. He sells every vehicle you can think of. Uh, and so you, we didn't know anything about this, but certain auctions appeal uh, where they're located at, um, what kind of vehicles are there, mm-hmm. what time of year it is. So it's really about that. And the Jeepster Commando has fit much better in Mecham than it has Barrett-Jackson for whatever reason. Right. That is the way we've always understood it. But Mecham on to Mecham auctions. Uh, we've either been there ourselves or had my nephew take them for us and sell them uh, for us. So, really a cool experience. Oh, I bet. So I, I can imagine it'd be quite, a, quite exciting, almost like gambling. Um, so I guess what I'm hearing is, is that people go, they want to buy something. They really want that Bronco, uh, that old Bronco, and I can't afford that. So let me, let me get this one. This one's pretty cool. Uh, maybe I can get right. this for less. Is that, is that what the, the deal is or? Yeah. Okay. Yes. I mean, it's a, you know, there's, there's an economic name for that. It's called the substitution effect. Uh-huh. You know, I can't get what I want because it's so expensive, but there's something that I would accept that's similar. That's a lot more reasonable. Yeah, and people will substitute what they want for that product, and that has worked pretty well with the uh, Jeepster Commando. I believe we have gotten more for our Commandos than most people, but the reason why is because when we build them, and you know, I can't really walk around on this Jeep and show you all these things because we're not quite done with it. But we look at the way the wheels line up. Do we need to move them in out? We look at the color combinations. We kind of think about, you know, should it get an SC1 stripe on it? Um, should it get a square shoulder tire, a round shoulder tire? All these things, color combinations that make this Jeepster Commando look good. Because that's what it's about. When you go to an auction, it's in your face and everybody's looking at them. And that's what sells. Shiny sells, good looking sells. So we really pay a lot of attention to that. And we did well at auctions with these. The problem is... Auctions charge you a lot of money to sell your vehicle. Those bastards. And that's, yeah, that's the drawback to it. So uh, we've tried to stay away from it. Like this one will go up for sale. Uh, I would imagine it's going to probably sell for somewhere around 35000 which is pretty decent. Um, that's a lot better than eighty to 110 for a Bronco. <laughs> yeah. Probably a year ago or two years ago, it would have sold for 40000 um, and you can see the muscle car values have come down a little bit, come back to earth. And so has the Jeepster Commando market um, in line with that. Uh, but we'll use bring a trailer or something like that, or somebody will call us and buy it straight out. Mm-hmm. We're not going to take it to an auction and give them 10% of that and pay a fee to get in the auction. There's just a, a lot to it. And I don't want to badmouth the auction. It's a great experience, but, you know, it's just not something we're going to do. Right. Hey, I'll, I'll throw something in here. Uh, first, uh, I bought my uh, Commando back in 93, and I drove it home with a wire running from a battery to the coil. <laughs> it was kind of in uh, rough shape, and I've been drove it for many years, and finally two years ago I had to take it apart, and I'm getting it back together. Got got a running chassis. I can go out and start it up, and uh, if if uh, the Jeepster man doesn't recognize my name, he should, because I've sure sent him, sent him a lot of money in the last two years. <laughs> and, and I want to say they got uh, great parts, great service. If I order it on a Sunday night, I'll have it on Tuesday. And uh, I, yeah. I want to throw that in for him. And I, so I don't know what category I fit into it with uh, having this thing so long, but, but uh, I was always a Jeep nut and, and uh, I feel like I can get more parts for that thing now than I can in 93 when I bought it. Wow. It, uh, yeah, that, that's true. So in, I had a lot in, of fun uh, with it, and, and I, yeah. I think that, that that observation that it is uh, a, a uh, low-cost way to get into it. There's yeah. so many parts that fit the old CJ5, yeah. and right. a lot of people out there interchanging back and forth, and, and uh, you can have a lot of fun with it. And yeah. Mine's never had a top on it. We drive it in the summer. It had 38,000 miles when I got it. It's got... Uh, I think 51 on it now, and we just drive it in the summer and have a little fun with kids. 
I bet you get a lot of place to get your parts. I bet you get a lot of looks. I rely on it a lot. Yeah, yeah. It's a different vehicle when you take the top off. It really is. It looks so cool. But you know, I wanted to go back to what category you fit in. Anybody that runs a wire from their battery to their coil and drives it home, <laughs> you're in the right category. I was going to uh, say, Mark, be nice. Yeah. Be nice. <laughs> yeah. Now, um, there was probably a time where, you know, that would make you a car thief, but you just don't sound like a car thief to me. <laughs> but the, the thing is, is that, yeah, that's the Jeepster Commando. Wiring problems are a big one. They have no fuse box on them. You know, people call me all the time, and where's the fuse box on this? And I'm like, well, there is no fuse box. Um, we saw wow. some wiring upgrades that help with that. But uh, the the thing is, is that I would, you're somewhat typical with what I call people that are doing maybe their second iteration. Uh, and it might be, you know, a really cosmetic restoration, maybe not a full up, but they've had their Jeep for a long time and they're probably finding parts that they couldn't find back in the day. And uh, so we, yeah, not a lot of them, but I would put you in that, second iteration category of people doing them. And it's great that you have hung on to that thing and you must really like it to have kept it that long. All right. Anybody got any uh, questions about uh, the, uh, the commando, the Jeepster? Uh, I, I know that uh, you guys are, are curious and, and Mark, actually you guys do more than just the, uh, the commando and the Jeepster. That's what your focus is there, but uh, you guys do a, a whole list of things uh, with the older That's Jeeps, right. correct? Yeah, we go all the way back to 41. Um, and, you know, the, the Jeep's history is uh, a, a big military history. And my son is a, uh, you know, he's a military vet. He was a Black Hawk pilot and wow. also flew surveillance planes in Afghanistan, flew Black Hawks in Iraq. So we have the military side. My grandmother had a Jeepster at the age of about 11. I learned how to drive a Jeep that we used at a golfing range to pick up golf balls. It had a golf ball <laughs> picker on the front of it. Uh, and then I had that commando and my son and I, you know, that's how we got started. So, you know, we're a Jeep family and, you know, we got a, a really uh, deep history there. And so we sell parts all the way from 41 all the way up to about 78. We sell some later stuff too, but our core is really what we call the vintage Willys market. Mm-hmm. And then within that, you know, even though the Jeepster Commando is not a Willys, it's a Kaiser, but it fits still within that same range. Uh, but, you know, the Jeepster Commando is a small piece compared to our Willys parts. We sell tons of Willys parts all day long. And you can go on our website and you can see that, that all the models are on there. Uh, the military models, the CJs, the uh, wagons, the trucks, um, just uh, a lot of them. Yeah, and if you guys missed it before, it's the and correct me on this, Mark. It's the Jeepster, the Jeepsterman dot com. That's correct. Yep. So, uh, yeah, Chuck, I don't, Chuck, I don't know if you're still uh, listening. Uh, d- d- didn't you say uh, I didn't know that you had a commando? Did you say you have a commando, or you've been co- you've d- you've gone commando? One of the two. <laughs> All of the above. Yeah, we've uh, we actually had. Uh, a Jeep in the family that uh, a good uh, family friend actually took an original Jeepster because they, they had the two-wheel drive Jeepster and then, you know, they stopped and made the full drive one. He actually put a two-wheel drive convertible on the four-wheel drive chassis and used to wheel it. I'm actually, I'm going through the videos right now so I can archive it and send it to the Discord so people can see that this, this abortion. But uh, we, have, we have had one in the family. I have never personally owned uh, a commando, a little bit too big of a footprint for a guy like me. Uh, going from flat fenders to CJs is about as big right. as I want to go. Yeah. yeah. So uh, it, it was more of a land yacht for uh, for those of us. And we used to make fun of John a lot for having his, uh, his big land yacht. But he had, I don't know, seven or eight kids. So I think that's why he right. built it. Yeah. 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 So Chuck, quick great, question. Great looking rigs. Quick question. I, 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 haven't, I don't think I've ever seen the headlights on uh, your uh, your Jeep desk before. Uh, there's a rumor yeah. that whenever you're uh, dressing down an employee, you uh, turn the lights on. Did, were you uh, disciplining uh, an employee earlier today? <laughs> Just the secretary. Just the secretary. And I said, hey, go, go look down there and tell me if those things are shining right. Yeah, no. <laughs> 
damn it. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Yeah, that's a nice desk you got there. Uh, that's really cool. Yeah, thank you. Tony usually gives me a lot of shit about it. I'm, I'm which, trying uh, really hard not to do it right now. <laughs> that's because he only owns plastic Jeeps. I mean, those of us that uh, are very uh, intelligent know Jeeps stopped in 86, and then the plastic Jeeps continued. But it's uh, it's nice to have a good family friend on the show again where we have good quality Jeeps with all yeah. steel and iron and that's nice. Chuck is Very one nice. of our, one of our co-hosts that knows a lot about the the early Jeeps, and uh, I, I was hoping he'd be here tonight because I know he'd be interested in yeah. uh, what uh, what you had to say about the uh, the early yeah, Jeeps. Very, yeah, very excited to hear that the uh, the commandos are coming back. Um, I, I I've seen just very few of them. Usually, they've been so aborted that it's uh, it's blasphemy. And uh, it's nice to know that there's. Uh, I, I think we bought some stuff from you with my son's uh, CJ2A that he did when he rebuilt it. I think he bought some some uh, some items from you. So it's it's real nice to see that uh, yeah. you're focusing in a lot about the, uh, the those rigs that are are really just a great heritage to the Jeep. I mean, it's it's really the Cherokee, right? I mean, the SJ came. That's the lineage of the SJ, right? And and that's it's kind of neat that you're doing that. Hey, Chuck, what year is your Scrambler? Uh, my Scrambler's in 81. The, the Jeep desk, this is a, I think this was an 83 or 84 that we took parts off of. Why? I'm just curious. Yep. And I don't know right, if you can. for the uh, Mando guy. Go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. Um, I missed a little part. I'm not sure if uh, if y'all came up with this or talked about it yet, but the later model, the one that looks like a Bronco or a Blazer or whichever, are, is the front end, like the front clip, exchangeable with the old model? Can I put a, a cool Jeepster front end on the new Bronco? Are they universal like a CJYJ or not? No. So if you're talking within the Jeepster family, can you take yes, the 7273? It's called a bullnose. That's the terminology yep. that they use for it. Can you put a bullnose front end on the earlier one, like you see right here with the traditional front end? Is that your question yep. or vice versa? Uh, well, the other way around. Yeah. Can I take a, a new bullnose and put a, a, the old cool front end on, on the bullnose? So could you? Yes. Will it fit? No. But <laughs> do you have a gentleman that did it? Oh, and this thing was beautiful. I think it sold for around 60 grand. Wow. He put a diesel wow. engine in it. I sold him all the parts, and he stretched this front end out, uh, the back of it. He actually stretched it out three more inches, welded yep. all the stuff in there, made it look like it was you couldn't tell. And he put it on a bullnose front end and put a diesel engine in it. And that, that, that's out there somewhere if you look it up. It was uh, a pretty popular Jeep and sold for good money. So, yeah, you could do it, but... It's a lot of, uh, it's not made to do that, so it's a lot of uh, modification. Three words, uh, Dustin, fabricating. Yeah. This is, this is a great segue to a question that I've, I've had for more than, you know, we're sitting on 45 years. I've always wanted to take a CJ7 and put a short Fender 5 front end on it, but I love the, 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 the Jeepster Commando wide grill with the right with the wide um hood is that the same width as a cj tub so could i use short fender front you know because you know 1971 that's a short fender five and we use the grill on the hood and match it to a short fender five and then attach it to a cj7 or a scrambler tub have you ever seen that or heard of it yeah, so I usually see it the other way around. Um, and is your name Jeff? Chuck. My, Chuck. Name's, my name's Chuck. Yeah. Okay. So what you're seeing and Chuck's talking about, and you can see Chuck's desk. He's talking about these little wings that come out right here on each side of the commando that's not on a CJ. And, to you know, if you look at Chuck's desk, you can see the hood is narrower. And instead of having marker lights out over... The fenders, his marker lights would be down underneath his headlights. Oh, okay. Right. In his pictures. So there is some um, is some interchangeability there. I may not know the exact 
years, Chuck, but I can tell you a lot of people that can't find a hood um, for whatever reason will put a CJ hood in a CJ grill in and they lose, you know, of course they, they don't have the uh, marker lights that. here. Yeah. And I would, I would think that you could take this grill and hood and probably do the same with some of the CJs. When you talk about the short fender, I believe it would have to be a short fender. I can tell you that the yeah. areas that are sometimes different are right here. Okay. Right here. Sometimes there's gaps in there. They can usually, uh, there's some bolts that go in there, and you can close them up pretty good. But I have experimented yeah. around. I'm right in the middle of trying to make brand new commando fenders. Um, and so we looked at some of the older fenders that are out that you can already buy and fitting them on there to see what works. And there's a lot of, a lot of variation right there is what I'm finding out. So I don't know exactly yeah. what would work and what would not, but it's probably pretty doable. I, I've seen it from the CJ5 uh, hood and grill to a commando. I've yep. only seen one in, in a picture where they went the commando to the CJ because I would love to mate it to potentially a scrambler body to give me a little bit more uh, air for a high-powered V8. It's, uh, it's been in the works for maybe the last 18 months now. So yeah, uh, it would be real neat. It'd be real neat if it worked out. Well, those would would most likely be used parts. Um, if you decide you mm -hmm. want to do something like that, you can contact me. I will, uh, you know, be, I, uh, be very very uh, doing something like that. It sounds like a cool project. Um, I don't know where you're located at. Uh, those items would have to be right shipped most road. likely. I, yeah. I'm right down the road. My my ranch is in northeast Kansas. Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, I have those, uh, you know, the hood is what you would need in the grill. And I've got tons of grills. And there's an early and a late style grill. Um, they are basically the same, but the later style has a bigger marker light and it's flat. The early style has these small cone shaped marker lights. So you could use either one. Yep. The 70 and 71 had the uh, later model with the bigger marker light. The 67 through uh, early 70 would, would be more like this. Well, we'll have to get Tony to link you and I up because there there might be a scrambler project in my shop currently that I've been working in AutoCAD to figure out how to change the front end yeah. just to touch. It would be cool. I know I know the scrambler, you know, that would be that, that would be really a, a, a unique and very cool uh you know just if you did that conversion i think it would be great deal let's do it now whether or not it's going to run any cooler that i don't know <laughs> but yeah it might give you a little bit more room under that hood i'm sure but uh these jeepsters <laughs> run kind of hot well interesting chuck do you think yeah. you'd still need my uh, plastic things to hold the, the hood up when it got hot <laughs> uh damn it man come on brother like that that's between like like that's when like you, you let your brother use your used underwear like you don't talk about that kind of stuff you know i just figured we're talking about those reliable real jeeps you know you want to bring all that stuff up <laughs> thanks john i mean that was for you brother <laughs> So let me ask you this, Mark, on the 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 Jeepster overall um, mechanical worthiness. Is there any kind of weird things? Uh, it sounds like there's a good motor in it. Uh, we we heard mention of a, a, a iffy transmission, standard transmission. Uh, are there any yep. things to watch out for if if uh, after this conversation people are going? Well, you know, I'm gonna see if I can't find one. There's a barn down the road. I'm gonna go check it. <laughs> what what would what would somebody look for? What would be the thing that they they would look for, and what would they want to stay away from unless they really wanted to get into the the nuts and bolts of it? Uh, no pun intended. Yeah, and this is the most common conversation that I have. And it, what I'm trying to do is help people make an informed decision. Uh, and, and I'd rather talk than have them call me and tell me they bought something they had no idea what it was. Oh, yeah. Because you really can make a big mistake in what you're buying. 
So the early commandos, the Jeepster commandos from 67 to about 69, uh, the transmission, if it's a stick, it could be a T-86. And they're just way too small. They were really meant to be mated to a four-cylinder. They don't last very long. The clutch is driven by a cable, um, and the cables either pull through the floor or they break. <laughs> so you can upgrade the cable with a hydraulic clutch, and we also make a mechanical one too. But that transmission is a sore spot. However, I don't know why, but Jeepster put lots of automatics in these starting from day one, 67 on up, and they're 400 turbos. They're a great transmission. Uh, their only weak spot is the adapter between the transmission and the transfer case. It tends to crack because of the way the bolt holes line up. Um, so you have to watch out for that. But the transmission, uh, the sticks, they're just not very good. T14 was their upgrade because they had so many problems with T86. Uh, they went to a T14. It's a little stronger and better and, you know, and synchronized. You know, a T86 didn't have a synchronized first gear, and you would have to come to a complete stop before you put it in first. And most people didn't like that, and they ranged them up, you know, and on and on and on. But the other thing is the rear axle. So they made a rear axle called a Spicer or Model 30, we call it, another pile of junk. And no one <laughs> near the strength for a four-wheel drive with the V6. Um, and that's a big one. And I tell people how to identify those things when they're looking to buy one. So that's what you got to watch out for in the early years. The other thing that isn't something that um, you have to worry about, but it's something you have to live with, and that's the steering. So all the way from 67 up to early 70, they had what's called Ross steering. And I'm sure some of our Willie's folks on here and Jeff and others uh, or Chuck would know what um, uh, Saginaw is. You know, it's it's old school you can't upgrade it to power. It's just the way it is. So it's kind of old school, rickety. And if your wife or your girlfriend or a female's driving it, they don't like them, you know, because they're hard to steer when you're trying to back up from a parking space. You know, once you get going, you can steer them fine, but that's a big issue. So 70 and a half and on up, they went to what's called Saginaw steering. In Saginaw, you could have had a manual steering or you could add power, but at least it had the ability to be power and many of them were. So that's kind of the way it works. You know, you got to watch that rear axle, got to watch that transmission. And if you can buy a 70 and a half and up, um, that's your best. Bet. And when you say Probably 70, you're saying 1970 is the, the year model. That, gotcha. Right. 70 and a half and up. That's so is there, there any way to identi easily identify the 86 and the 14 for the standard transmission, or is it just best to, to find an automatic? Well, you can identify the transmission, but you really need to take the doghouse cover off. Yeah. To do it, it's really hard to tell them from any other way. Um, but you can tell by what the whole pattern looks looks like. But I'll ask a lot of people if they if they already own it. I'll ask them. <laughs> well, you know, does it? You have to come to a stop to shift it into first. Oh yeah, good point. Yeah. yeah, that that's and that's a good way to it. Well, I mean, if you were out and if yep. you if you were able to test drive it, uh, then you'd be able to figure yep. it out simply by that's by correct. that. Oh, that's great. Yeah, I didn't think about that. That makes sense. Because you could get. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Can I throw something else in on these sore sure. points with the old Jeep Commandos, and that's the brakes. In fact, I was aware that they didn't even have any brakes as far as I was concerned. Well, that's why they come with an anchor and a chain. <laughs> yeah. No, you're exactly right. The brakes are 10-inch, uh, and there are two types of brakes. And the 67 through 71 had what's called Wagner brakes. They, too, are kind of old school. Instead of having like a cable adjustment feature on it, it had these little rods that they used. And some of you may have seen these on other Jeeps, but they're just really rickety. Um, in 72 and 73, uh, they upgraded. Uh, they upgraded the axles and they upgraded the brakes and went to an 11-inch brake. And they used, um, uh, instead of Wagner, they used a, a different type of brake that was cable driven. So, uh, and also the Model 30 uh, rear axle, you can't upgrade it to disc rear brakes. You're stuck with them. Hmm. Uh, if you have a Dana 44, and Dana 44 was an option 
starting in 67 and starting in about 1970 and on, most of them had a Dana 44. So you can actually put rear, front and rear disc brakes on them. We sell all those kits, but on a Model 30, you cannot. So there's a lot of drawbacks to what you can do to work your way around those brakes. Upgrading your front brakes to disc and having 10 inch in the rear, as long as everything's new and working properly, is fine. They'll stop just fine. But having four-wheel drum brakes and they're all 10 inch and they're the old rod adjusting style, the problem with them is no matter how good of a job you do adjusting them evenly, if you have to hit them brakes hard, they tend to want to pull. And so front disc brakes, they stop evenly. So it fixes that problem and gives you more stopping power. So, you know, that's kind of the fix for the brakes. But you are correct. The brakes are another issue on these that you, you, you need to be aware of. And with all these issues that you've lined out, I, I would think it's still better than a Land Rover. <laughs> I don't know a whole lot about the Land Rovers, except they look pretty cool, the ones I've seen, but I really don't know much about them. To, oh, that's all right. I'm, I'm just making a joke. You don't have to, uh, you don't have to, uh, yeah. to, to agree with me. It's safer not to. All right. Anybody yeah. uh, got any more questions uh, here for Mark before we wrap up? I, not on for Mark. This is Kevin from DFW. But has anyone seen the Experian commercial that says you can buy a new Land Rover for twenty three grand? I was cracking up at that earlier today. <laughs> well, uh, there uh, is that true. <laughs> uh, can can you tell us your uh, your phone number right, right quick? So if anyone's listening that uh, is like me and is not internet savvy, we can just get your phone number and uh, call you and actually talk to a human. Sure. And uh, get, get some yes, stuff. Can you tell me your number real quick? Yes, it is 314-798-6462. And, you and know, you'll get some your, options on, like, shipping. Go ahead. Yeah, sure. What, what's your uh, what's your overall lead time if, uh, if say, I needed some random like brakes like you were just talking about the brake stuff what's the lead time for something like that am i going to be waiting uh quite some time to get it from the east coast or india or something or is it uh is it relatively fast well we stock most items we do drop ship some items but not too many we try to stock everything but we are slammed right now so it's not going to be two weeks Good. but it may not be two days um, and it depends on what you're buying, too. Some things, you know, if it's a complicated order, it may take a little bit uh, longer. Our disc brake kits, we sell the heck out of them. They go out every day. And we have people constantly building kits, uh, power brake kits and things like that. But some items, you know, if it's a long list of a lot of small parts um, and it's in, you know, it's in the stack of, of orders, take them as they come. You may have 30, 40 orders ahead of you by the end of that day um, or when you call. So, you know, it could be two days, three days before they actually fill it. Um, and it just, you know, again, depends on what you're buying. But generally, it's not a, a two-week thing or something like that where you're waiting for it to come from overseas. If that's going on for yeah. whatever reason, we would make sure you knew that before you place that order because we don't like to. We've been down that road of we know that our customers right now what they really want is us to have what they need available to them that's important to them the delivery right. speed is important to them quality is important to them and the price is important to them and so we try to really build our business around that and most of all what we're doing right here is product knowledge being able to not just sell parts but we work on these things we're we're you know we're going to climb in the barrel with you we work on these vehicles too and we know what you're going through. We know what it's like to be needing something and you have to order it. So we're thinking like our customers along those lines and trying to live in their reality because we do the same thing. And I'll just mention again uh, for anybody else that, that won't remember the number and want to know where to find it. It is squarely in the middle of uh, the the page, uh, the website, the uh, jeepsterman.com, the jeepsterman.com. And uh, it's right there. And also, too, I'll mention that uh, I see at the top of the page here, it says free shipping on orders over uh, $98. So that's on the website. Yep. So do you, uh, I I, I know the show needs to to, to end here pretty soon. 
do you sell like uh, aftermarket like roll cages and things like that for these for for guys like us that like to do a little bit of off-roading and want some safety do you provide any of that kind of products or no we do have i'm looking at one right now i have one complete roll bar that's exactly like the one in this jeep behind me but when you say the word roll cage that's completely different what we sell for this right. jeepster window is the exact one that the dealer installed in them but they're not a roll cage they are a sport right you want a roll cage for safety yeah. and off-road and you should have it built uh somewhere by somebody that can make it to the proper specs for that kind of uh use i wouldn't use these but you do have that but so you that's do provide it. the behind the driver behind the passenger roll bar that came that's that's, that's a synonymous it. for the early jeep thing with that that's they started right. putting out that's right it's okay. a four-point roll bar yeah and they're really expensive yeah. to ship and that's why you end up with people um you know better off to go to a shop and have it custom made um because when you look at the shipping on things like that you know yeah they're in pieces you can't ship them whole they're too big and they just you know they have to go freight and it cost you too much so you would have to weld ours and do a lot they're all bent and they're cut pretty close to size but you'd have to do a lot of welding and fitting to get it in there so you know in the long run a lot of times if you're wanting something better than that you really are uh just better off and it's a more optimal decision to have somebody make it for you well chuck on his drive there he's just down the street yeah Yeah, that's a different story chuck you come over and you can pick it up and take it with you yeah that's completely different so how much do you charge just to have people hang out because i think chuck will probably come over there and just hang out and look at things and tell you the history Uh, behind everything they don't they don't make guys like you anymore man (laughs) yeah i'm sure you guys have seen that sign (laughs) it's fifty dollars an hour if you wait hundred dollars an hour if you watch two hundred dollars an hour if you ask questions if you, you try know, to help that yeah. Kind of thing. <laughs> yeah yeah we're trying to help now i just thought those but, signs were funny does, we don't get a lot of right, <laughs> yeah we don't get a lot of visitors i should say we probably get one every day we're not a local company um and we have quite a spread of buildings here but uh people are welcome to come up here we just want to know in advance uh but we talk to people on the phone all day long so if you call and you, you want to talk about Jeepster Commandos, you need to make sure you ask for me. I gave you that number, but Brett, Jamie, John, somebody will answer it. Tell them you want to talk to somebody about your Jeepster Commando, and they will. And, and I'm not here every day all the time, but if you leave me a message, I will get back to you. But um, I come in here every day with the idea that somebody's going to need some information that I have, and I'm going to help them with their project. And that's the way I look at it. I look forward to talking to people about their Jeepster Commandos. I love the vehicles. And so if you do call, just ask for me. So I may be wrong on this, but I'm guessing that if you like the the older Jeeps, and that's really what your uh, bailiwick, uh, bailiwick is, uh, you probably aren't using uh, text messaging and email. But do you do much of uh, those things, or is it uh, voice phone calls, the, the, the majority of what you do? So this is interesting because, you know, when I say we know our audience pretty well, we do. It's a lot of it's an older crowd. Mm -hmm. And a lot of them want to call us, even to place an order. And they want a catalog, which right now we're out of our catalog. Oh, that's neat. I didn't think about that. uh, You know, a lot of people are picking up our competitor's catalog and looking at their price, calling us and finding out that we're, (laughs) you know, we're (laughs) cheaper. Right. And so that's going on right now. So there's a lot of phone calls taking place in a lot of our audience they're not computer savvy when i go look at the website though what's interesting is that the majority of people that are buying on our website are using some kind of a handheld device whether that's a cell phone or some kind of ipad or something like that so there is a pretty uh tech savvy crowd out there i uh, i know tony you're a tech guy but there is a pretty good tech savvy crowd out there that's buying straight off of our uh, website, and we try to make that easy for them. Mm-hmm. You know, the three clicks, you ought to be able to be in the area of what you're looking for. You know, you can't have it too complicated. And we right. worked on that and worked on that. And uh, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's grown in that category. So I asked because uh, there's, a, there's a certain group of people that uh, they don't want to talk on the phone. I mean, uh, and I was, uh, that's one of the reasons why I was asking that. So you can still do it uh, the new way. Uh, and uh, but you always have the the fallback for the the, the talking on the phone, which is what yeah. Chuck likes to start with. 
So, uh, but yeah. you, but you cover it all. So if you want to order something, uh, you yeah. could do that. If you need to talk to somebody, you can uh, you can talk. And if you're calling yeah. about the Jeepster, uh, just uh, call that number and ask for Mark. And if he's not there, say where the hell is he? <laughs> no, just leave me a message. It'll, it'll forward to my cell phone, so it's okay. <laughs> well, Mark, thank you so much for being with us here tonight. Uh, great information, very interesting. Uh, I didn't know anything yeah. about the Jeepster or the Commando, and, and now I know more about it. It really sounds like it would be a very unique and fun vehicle to have. Uh, and also, too, it really great to hear that it is a, a, a formidable off-road vehicle as well. I mean, it for is. the four-wheel four yeah. drive models. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't feel so bad about the Flex Rocks and Rollovers uh, using uh, his uh, commando to beat the hell out of it and take it off-road. I'm sure it, I'm sure it's great for the YouTube audience. Oh. They see that thing and they go, I think it's a Jeep, but uh, yeah. I think it's obscure enough. Uh, but you can tell it's a Jeep, but it's uh, obscure enough to know, wow, that is, that's really, really interesting, really neat. So thank you for bringing us that, that information. You are welcome. Hey, Mark, one last final question, if I could. Um, what is hang on what, a second? What? Oh, I had switched to a scene that wasn't going to get your audio, so uh, uh, okay, so I got you back. So go ahead and take a pause and then go ahead. Yeah, all righty. One, one, one final last question. Personally, what which Jeep do you have a Jeepster and what, what do you have that you're keeping personally? And is it red? Rick wants to know if it's red. Uh, I'm not, I'm not concerned <laughs> if it's red or not. <laughs> Okay, as long as it's not blue. As I have gotten older and, you know, some some health issues, it's uh, not the vehicle that I prefer to drive like I used to. I've had many, and, you know, this one belongs to me, but we will obviously sell it. We have one at the top of the hill that my son is building. It's got some stretched out wheel wells and a couple other things. It'll be a probably be a V8 vehicle. And we also have another one that we just put around the campground in. It's an SC1. It's a spring over. It's got 35-inch tires on it, roll bar, nice stereo. It just looks cool. It has not been redone, but it's a really neat-looking vehicle. So, you know, I have some that we drive, but I don't drive them on the road. You know, I, I just, you know, I'm at the point in my life where I like to get in my Ram truck and yeah, um, even though it's a big four-wheel drive on the outside, it's a Cadillac on the inside. And it's comfortable, and I got, you know, all the, the creature comforts I like and things like that. In my old age, that's just where I'm at. But uh, for just messing around and creeping around the campgrounds and gravel bars and a few trails here and there, yeah, we have a, a, a nice SC1 that we use. Very nice. Very cool. Well, thanks again. I appreciate you being here with us. Uh, great information. And uh, I hope uh, the, the Zoom people uh, that were here tonight really enjoyed hearing all about uh, the Jeepster. Maybe you know more about it like I do. And uh, just want to remind you guys that you can join in on the Zoom meetings uh, that we have this every Tuesday at 7.30 p.m. Central Time. Uh, you can uh, sign up for a newsletter at jeeptalkshow.com slash contact, and you'll get notifications of, uh, you just dawned on me, I didn't send out the newsletter today. Oh, no, I was really busy. I have a good excuse. But anyway, the, the newsletter will tell you, will give me a good reminder about the, the roundtable. Uh, it's it's really simple to join. I don't want to give you too much uh, uh, information here, but uh, it, it's, it's jeeptalkshow.com slash roundtable. That's all you got to remember. Uh, and uh, you can watch us on YouTube Live, and uh, you can watch uh, this uh, this whole video that we shot uh, for this episode uh, shortly, uh, probably uh, Wednesday, Thursday this week. And all those pictures that Mark uh, held up, you'll be able to see them there. And I know it's frustrating when you're listening to an audio podcast and say, look at this picture, look at this picture. Oh, this is a pretty girl. And you go, damn it, I can't see it. <laughs> So, uh, but uh, yeah, great information. We really appreciate uh, Mark uh, being here. And uh, hopefully hopefully you guys will join us uh, for more as we have uh, either questions or guests on our roundtable episode. Everybody have a great night and thank you very much. Broadcasting since 2010.